sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy weekend. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. This is our weekend edition of the show for the 11th and 12th of July. You can follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe Pizzapia at Joe Pizzapia 17 Coming up in a little bit, Matt Sells is going to preview the big NASCAR race on Sunday. We'll also have Gray Albright on the show in case you missed those interviews earlier in the week. We've got this weekend in fantasy sports history and this weekend in fantasy sports birthdays. And... Uh, a mixed bag of, of info with baseball, but the one thing that I'm sort of taking away, Joe, from everything that is sort of happening now this weekend and, and that happened on Friday is it feels like they're going to go through with this thing. It's like it, with all of these different news and notes and things and switching around, like barring something catastrophic, which of course could happen, I, I really feel like they're pressing toward playing here. Like it, it's, it's getting more real, I think. I guess that's the word for me now. I, I agree. I always go back to my original statement about all of this. If there's any way for them to possibly eke this out, they will. Because in the end, the one winner is always greed. Greed always wins. If there's money to be made and there's millions and millions of dollars still left on the table, even in a 60-game season for both parties, they're going to play. And and I think that you are going to see these expanded rosters used. You're going to see them try to just field a team. Hey, look, this is the team we have tonight. This is the Orioles tonight. This is the Mets tonight. Whatever it is, this is the team that we're going to put out there. And I think you're right. I think we are going to try to our best to get through this. And uh, I hope everyone is safe. And I hope they continue to keep these protocols in place. And everyone is being as smart as they possibly can as well. You know who you are, Framiel Reyes. And the rest of everybody else, just, uh, you know, be cautious. And I do hope and I am hopeful that we will get some semblance of a season because, as we said yesterday, too, we kind of need this. Like, sports is really important for us as a nation right now, and we've never gone through national tragedies and national issues before without sports. This is the weirdest thing ever. I mean, even during World War II, we had sports. After 9-11, we had sports. It's very difficult to kind of walk this path, so I'm hopeful, too, Craig. Yeah, and we're going to keep this all to baseball here uh, in the first 15 minutes of the show because there's a lot to get to. Yeah. And then we'll kick around some uh, football coming up on Monday. We'll have Michael Fabiano on the show, and uh, and we'll get back to some fantasy football, I think, as well. But for this weekend, we'll keep it to baseball. Here are some news and notes from the weekend that we can sort of munch on here a little bit. Uh, we'll start off, of course, Friday. Uh, you're looking at it here. Uh, Buster Posey opted out of the 2020 season, clearly. Uh, two stories here. First is that uh, unbelievable guy, Posey, here, uh, adopting two kids, already has uh, twins as well. And clearly, who could ever condemn a guy like this for making that decision? That's for sure. Um, we'll get back to him in a sec. Uh, Robinson Cano has been absent from camp. Again, they can't report the players' names, but you can read between the lines there. Same thing goes in, in one that I don't think was reported until uh, yesterday. It was really just out of nowhere that Starling Marte is absent from camp. Yeah. If you talk about a, a first or second round pick in fantasy, I mean, especially on Arizona, that's one we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, Marlins' uh, Garrett Cooper lost 15 pounds, a player that gets a huge boost, I think, from the designated hitter being added in 2020. Uh, Brewers' Corey Kniebel uh, says he is ready to return, and it could be a Hader-Kniebel punch in the eighth and ninth inning. Who knows? If they go back to using Hader in the mid and, and Kniebel in the ninth, that certainly could happen. We'll have to keep an eye on their exhibition games. And so those are some of the things that happened yesterday. Also worth mentioning, Tommy Pham is back with the Padres, so you can reinsert him onto your ADP because it looks like he'll be ready now that he is back. That's another key player. Steals, home runs, we're all looking for those numbers here in the first 60 games of the season. So... Um, okay, so let's unpack it all. I guess we could start with uh, with Posey first. Okay. And if you have any opinion on any of the other things that I mentioned, but uh, but I mean, how can anybody indict Posey no. for, for doing this? I have no idea. Look, I I think the Giants are basically saying they're not playing this season. They're taking this it's season off. So why shouldn't, yeah, so yeah. why shouldn't does Buster Posey want to put himself through all of this and and all the risk and everything? Why? To sit there and get his butt kicked on a daily basis for two months? I mean, I can understand that. Plus, yeah, you know, horrible. from the safety, it, it's it's tough because he's a winning player. 
And, you know, maybe... He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Gosh, is he? MVP, is he? Rookie of the Year, three-time Rookie No, I know it's tough because of catchers. I know it's, it's difficult He's because they don't up. typically age well. He's but Hall of Famer. Wow. I don't think of him in that same vein as, like, the Gary Carters and Johnny you Benches. You but, but it's because of the position. It, it's like I, I don't think of Billy Wagner, and I agree with you, but it's... it's I'll tell you what. There's I no Johnny a, Bench anymore. No, no. Nobody's but even, catching 150 But even games. so, but even like the Pudge Rodriguez and that other tier that, you know, like those are Hall of Fame catchers all in my mind. I fought 150 games. These I, guys are not catching 150. I know. Games. You know what? I, I have a, I'm much more at ease with Buster Posey being in the Hall of Fame than I am Billy Wagner in the Hall of Fame. So I, I'm not going to lose an ounce of sleep over Championships that. Championships matter. They do. They do. They do. And he's a wonderful player. And and look, and a good I, guy, I, man. And a good guy. And a good guy. That's what they say about you. A wonderful player and a good guy, Craig Mish. Uh, but I, I'll tell you this, dude. Like, I, I, I'm not surprised at all. We kind of thought this was coming. And then when it came down, we all kind of went, okay, well, that's that makes sense. And you know what? I mean, good for him. And he won't be the last one. There will be some more to sure. trickle in here. Uh, I couldn't believe how quickly Tommy Pham came back, though. That was one that was really surprising. Because well, what's happening is, that, like we talked about a couple other days ago, uh-huh. um, what's happening is they're getting tests that are pending, right? And that just means that it could take another twenty-four hours because they're not sure if they're positive or negatives. And he had a and he had a pending test, so that's why he wasn't there. Ah, uh, so days. it wasn't a positive; it was a pending. When gotcha. you hear the pendings, you can't count on the guy playing, but you no, also can't absolutely. count on him not playing. You know. It's one of, <laughs> And then, by the way, this 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 pending stuff, and everybody agrees in baseball, players, coaches, executive, the pending stuff has got to go away in two weeks. They got to know one way or the other. Oh you know, yeah. When the games begin, there can be no pending. Oh, I agree. Every and look, this is what these few weeks are about: getting everybody up to snuff and getting everybody, you know, at least start season healthy. That's what he was starting the season healthy. That's what we're trying to get here. But Tommy Pham starting the season healthy for the Padres is huge. Because I don't think this lineup has room to lose a bat in it like a Tatis or a Machado or a Pham. Right. That addition of Tommy Pham lengthens this lineup. And we just talked about them yesterday. They needed to lengthen this lineup. Uh, Marte is the other one, too. I know, like you mentioned that one. That one kind of dropped. And I agree with you. That has potentially some very large uh, fantasy implications in it. And also some real-life implications, too, because this was a big addition for this lineup. Because you have to look at the year that some of these players had in Arizona, and it was incredible seasons from a lot of guys there, from Christian Walker, from Cattell Marte, uh, a really good season there, obviously, from Escobar, too. So you can't expect everybody to have the same season. So bringing in a guy like Starling Marte kind of evens out that a little bit. And now, all of a sudden, if you don't have him for a couple weeks to start the season— yeah, that does hurt a bit, and it might hurt his stock too in a draft. If you're having oh, a draft, it's next got you now. If you're if you're thinking of doing anything, where would you drop him from second round to what fifth, fourth? If I was forced to draft right now, maybe even lower. I'm forcing you to draft. I am hypothetically yeah. forcing you to draft fifth round. I think that sounds right. You know, you don't yeah. want to let him go too far because he could do a lot in 40 games. This is true. I would say I would say fifth round. All right, and and so uh, those are sort of the news and notes, but then we got this bombshell that was thrown at us Friday, which, by the way, you speaking of things that shouldn't come as a surprise, this should not come as a surprise. (laughs) Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think, is done playing the field. Um, I think it's over, and they're saying all the right things about him playing first base, and that may only be for this year. Fantasy, this is going to hurt, unless you really love guys putting in the U spot, because I think that's all he's going to qualify for. Uh, look, his OBP last year, as you see there, 34%, 15 home runs, 69 runs driven in. Not a high war. War also factors in defense. He's not good defensively. The announcement coming down on Friday that he is going to play first base and DH, and he can play third, but he's done playing third in 2020. Uh, look, I think he's done, Joe, playing the field at all. I'm really not sure how to feel about this because I still do have weight concerns with this guy. Should I do. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have DH concerns because I saw what Alvarez on Houston did last year. And if he can just be that, that's great. Which but is Alvarez, hard. You know that and I know that. Players don't like to, especially young players, not be in the field. It throws them off their rhythm. It's a tough transition to just hit four times. Maybe, but but Guerrero doesn't look like Alvarez either. Alvarez is a big, strong dude. I mean, yes. Guerrero, and look, I may be completely off. And in 2021, Guerrero may be DH and he'll hit. 35, 40 home runs, maybe, but mm-hmm. I've never been a huge fan of this dude's conditioning. I just never have. Oh, we've had and some big boys be successful. I mean, Miguel Cabrera was always in the picture of health. Prince Fielder certainly was a bigger not boy. Not at that age, though. Not uh, at that Not age. Cabrera, no, but Prince, yes. 
Cabrera, no. Prince, yes. I think we can all agree on that one. Prince was never a little guy, nor was his dad. First base, though. But so did his dad. <laughs> his dad played a little first base. I, I don't guy. think Guerrero's going to play the field at all. You know what? Uh, you're Look, this is one of those concerns that I had, and I used to have arguments with It's a keeper concern. It's not it a 2020 a or 2021 concern because you'll get position concern. qualification next year for sure. You're right. You're absolutely right. And and I kind of – this is where it falls into for me personally because I remember having conversations about in the last two years some of these prospects in these dynasty leagues and things like this and stuff for the Black Book and saying – yeah, you know, I, I get it. Vlad is incredible, and he's incredible talent. But, man, the conditioning kind of worries me a little bit. And everyone just say, no, it's okay, it's okay. I'm like, it isn't, it isn't, because what if eventually he does lose eligibility? Now, I'm not a guy who's afraid of the DH. I'm a guy who will draft Nelson Cruz. I'm a guy who always owned David Ortiz, because why? If you can be better than somebody that DH spot, guess what? That's a position in your lineup. You take that, and you're going to be markedly better than the carousel of goons that you're running in and out of that as a lineup every week. But at the same time, you're right, as a long-term investment, there's already some concerns there. He had an injury last year. And I think it's a, one thing to play big. It's another thing to play heavy. And there's a difference. We kind of talk about this on my wrestling podcast, too, because there's some guys who are incredible athletes, right? And some of them are big guys. And then some are heavy, where they're, it's, it's, it's limiting their work or it's putting stress on their joints and things like that. And it's a difference between working big and working heavy. And I feel like he's working towards that working heavy side, and that's not a good thing for Vlad owners. Yeah, I mean, I think that legitimately two years ago, if you had to ask yourself, if you even had to ask the question, who would you rather have long-term, Vlad, Pete Alonso, Jordan Alvarez, you would have laughed. You would have said, oh, are you kidding me? Vlad's the best prospect in baseball. I think he'd be third on my list. I think he'd be third, guys. too. I think I would take Aloy over him as well. I think Aloy Jimenez, we have not even begun to see how good that kid is. It, it, I'm telling you right just, now, just, I would put him in the as well. To this. And, and by the way, in a short season, this guy can't play third, like for two months? I think it's more of an organizational point too because Travis of the draft. Travis Shaw, they're putting it What third? was the name of the, I'm, I'm sorry, I just went out of my head. I know you're tied into this. The, the kid they drafted, they have long-term designs on him in the infield as well, do they not? Uh, the first round pick this year, Austin Martin, he's an infielder, is he not? He is. So, I mean, that's also something where they're going to look to streamline and, and mainline him as soon Maybe as they can. Maybe play third. Maybe that's the idea. I think that's also part of it. Get all these guys up there and playing in the next two years. I think that's part of it. But you're right. Even in 60 games, it tells you Yeah, I don't think you can. Think. I mean, Austin Martin is a fair point for two years from now or next year. But this is right now. Like, you're trying to – I mean, every team has, is, is in first place in August. <laughs> like, why not – why not – I don't know. It's just – to me, I, I get it. I understand it. Uh, look, we saw what he did in the home run derby. If this guy ever catches fire, look, maybe he does hit 40, 50 home runs in a season. But as of right now, I don't take this as a great sign for fantasy. I would also say this. Don't panic in 2021. He's still going to qualify at first base. This is two years down the line where you'd have to make a key decision. All right, coming up next, it's this day in fantasy sports for our weekend here in July. So don't go away. Joe and I will be right back here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid in just a couple of minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports. Today we get closer to baseball, but first, of course, we check in on NASCAR. Two races Saturday and Sunday, a truck race, and of course the Xfinity Series. And to break it all down, NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm. You can follow him on Twitter, at The Sellsman. Matt, thanks for coming on Fantasy Sports today. Good to see you this week. What's going on? Oh, you know, just uh, coming off a pretty big weekend there for Indy. It really boosted ratings. Uh, did did really well for the first ever Indy car NASCAR doubleheader event. Uh, the Xfinity road course race was phenomenal to watch. So, yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. Now we're heading a bit further south here as we hit Kentucky uh, this weekend. So quite a lot of racing action happening this weekend at Kentucky. Yeah, and, and let me ask you a question before we get to the two races, and we're going to break them down from a wagering perspective for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, do you think that, look, the support that NASCAR has gotten has been tremendous. You mentioned the ratings are unbelievable there. Do you think that when baseball, basketball, and hockey start up, 
that NASCAR will have that same zest to be able to watch? Will people sort of respect the fact that they were able to get back out there? Or do you think that the attention pivots a little bit? Uh, I think it certainly pivots a bit. I mean, I wouldn't put NASCAR in the echelon of the big four. There's a reason they're called the big four. Um, But I think that there's enough people that are turned off by what happened with baseball and the arguing and how they had to basically mandate a 60-game season that I think NASCAR's ratings will continue to stay pretty decent. And they've got, you know, more double – they just announced more doubleheader race weekends coming up here in August. Um, So I don't think the ratings will continue to stay as high as they have been. I mean, Fox saw – I think it was an 8% boost for for Fox as part of the schedule compared to last year. Um, so I don't think it'll stay that high, but I, I do think that there will be quite a few viewers that continue to like what they see uh, on the track. All right, so we'll uh, get to that here. Let's start off, uh, Matt, with Saturday's race, and this is the Truck Series race. Buckle up your truck, 225. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty good, good race name right off the bat there. Good 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 name for a race. Uh, okay, so let's take a look at the board, and uh, and let's run through it here now. Uh, for full transparency, Matt is the expert on truck racing, not me. This is one where we're going to be leaning heavily on him. I've seen the NASCAR races on Sunday, but I haven't watched a lot of truck racing. Uh, Austin Hill has been the best, so he is the favorite at plus three forty. So. For those of you who are newbies at wagering, it is $100 to win $340. Now, everything else is pretty much big money if you can have the, the guts to put it down. Brett Moffitt is 6-1. to one. Christian Eccles is 6-1. to one. Johnny Sauter, who I know, of course, from uh, NASCAR, is 9-1. to one. Ben Rhodes, 14-1. to one. Chandler Smith, 14-1. to one. And a rare appearance by the field on FanDuel. We got a field bet here at 14-1, to one, which tells me, Matt, I don't know if it tells you this, but if Austin Hill doesn't win... You got a pretty good shot with the field, I would think, at uh, at 14 to 1. Now, remember, we're not showing you everybody's odds here. There are a little bit longer shot odds here, 15 and 20 to 1. Uh, is Austin Hill the man to beat in Saturday's race? Let's talk about it, where it is, and uh, what you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the odds pretty – I mean, in, in – let's put it this way. So I know there's, there's sports where you can take odds very seriously, and there are sports where it kind of gives you an idea of how people are – leaning but like they can also be quite confusing like you yourself talked about during the nfl season where some of those odds have just been traps because of how you see the game playing out nascar odds they tend to tell you pretty clearly who they believe the favorite to be Mm -hmm. um and if you look at the cup series races week after week which we'll touch on here in a little bit there's like the same four drivers that are always at the top of the odds, and it has to do with who the hottest drivers are coming into that race. So uh, I'm going to have to go with Austin Hill here. I would take – if I'm going to take – make two bets, I would go Austin Hill and I would go the field. I wouldn't go anybody in between because if you're going to get the field at 14-1, to 1, there's no point in betting a specific driver. Right, I agree. To yeah. one Because you just up your odds for hitting 14-1 to 1 if you take the field. So – uh, Austin Hill has been pretty dang good here uh, in the truck series. He's been pretty good, um, you know, this season in general in the trucks. And uh, if you haven't watched a truck race, they're actually really, really fun to watch because it's a completely different driving style than you'll see from Xfinity or Cup because, let's face it, they're driving modified pickup trucks uh, at about 150 miles an hour. So uh, it's it's pretty interesting. There tends to be more bumping and banging with a truck than you'll see with the cars. So, uh, And Kentucky tends to lead itself to some pretty exciting truck racing uh, here in the past. They've been racing Kentucky in the truck series since the track opened, I believe, in 2001. Uh, the, cups, the cup guys haven't gotten there. Um, they didn't start racing there until 2011. So they... Uh, Truck teams are very used to racing at Kentucky, and it's pretty exciting racing. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a good point, too, is that truck racing is very different than uh, than NASCAR racing. I've seen both in person, uh, and, and the trucks tend to get a little uh, banging up there. And so uh, not really sure uh, who I would go with here, Matt, because as I said, full transparency, this is uh, not my forte. Uh, but we have you on every week, and certainly you won the Writer of the Year for a reason. Uh, both for DFS and uh, and betting. And so uh, Sunday, this is where I think a lot of people will be focused. And by the way, this could be, in reality, the final Sunday before 
the other sports really get hot and heavy because we're two weeks away from both the NBA and Major League Baseball. So all the focus will be on Sunday at the Quaker State 400, the Xfinity Series. And uh, for the first time in a few weeks, Matt, we do have an overwhelming favorite here. Kevin Harvick, who's been about five or six to one, is all the way down now to 370. So this is 100 to win $370. Uh, Chase Elliott and Danny Hamlin, as you can see, there are both five and a half to one. Kyle Busch, seven to one. Brad Keselowski is nine to one. We have Joey Logano at nine to one and Martin Truex Jr. at nine to one. The rest are a little bit longer odds. So we will get to that in a minute. Is it as simple as just putting the money on Harvick and being done with it uh, among these, uh, the chalk here, among the leaders here, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore what Kevin Harvick has done since the season restarted uh, back in May at Darlington. Kevin Harvick's won four times. Now, in fairness, on Sunday, he was running second to Denny Hamlin by quite a margin with about eight laps to go. And then Denny Hamlin's right front tire blew out of nowhere and put him into the wall and that ended his day. And then Harvick won the restart and drove away from people. So is Harvick's car that fast? Yes. I mean, he's either won or finished second in like, each of the last four races. Yeah. So there's a pretty big reason why he's clearly the favorite and almost twice as good of odds as the next closest guy, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. However, I'm going to I'm going to go with a guy that we haven't really mentioned that much uh this NASCAR season and that would be Kyle Busch. Okay. Uh, he's going off at plus 700, which is uh you know, bet 100 to win 700 bucks. He is winless since he won Homestead last year which was the last race of last season and he hasn't really looked like a typical Kyle Busch looks um but the stats are there for him in terms of green flag speed which is a measure of average lap speed under green flag conditions Kyle Busch ranks fourth all season long he's the fourth he's got basically the fourth fastest car on the track all season he just can't get it to the front to show off that speed. Well, he's starting on the pole on Sunday. So he's going to be up front. It's a track he's done well at previously. He has a win here. Um, the pole sitter, historically, in the nine cup races they've run here, not a very big sample size, but in nine cup races, the pole sitter's won three times. Starting on the front row gives you a 55% chance of winning the race here. So we're looking at Joey Logano for also starting on the front row. Mm-hmm. Um so I would go with either Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch. Those would be my two bets for Sunday's race. We'll we'll take the chalk because the guy has been incredibly fast the last four races. Um, and by the way, Kevin Harvick's done pretty well here as well. He's got six top ten finishes in his career at this track. Uh, but then we'll also go with Kyle Busch because he's on the pole. He's been fast. Uh, he needs a win for sure. And uh, he's also won here. So, And he finished second in this race last year, just edged out by his brother, Kurt Busch. All right. So uh, now they're going to be in Kentucky this weekend. And so it's uh, the home of the Kentucky Derby. We need a long shot pick here, Matt. Uh, give me somebody with some uh, longer odds here of like 20, 30, 50 to 1 that if you're throwing a dart here this weekend, who you got? So we'll go with Tyler Reddick. Uh, he's going off right now at uh, about 70 to 1. And Reddick has been a very good driver this year. It might surprise you to find out that he's a rookie in the Cup Series because usually rookies don't show up and do what Tyler Reddick is doing. But Reddick has been very good this year. He's been very exciting to watch. And typically speaking, he's a guy that likes the higher line on a racetrack. He'll run right up along the wall to go find speed. And we've seen another driver who likes that, Kyle Larson, have success here at Kentucky running very fast laps. Uh, a couple of years ago, Kyle Larson started 40th and finished second by doing that strategy. Tyler Reddick is starting 24th on Sunday. Uh, so I would go with Tyler Reddick to win his first career cup race at 70-1. to 1. I like those odds. All right. Uh, before we let you go, Matt, I know that uh, NASCAR announced uh, yesterday or the day before Watkins Glen uh, is out in August. Uh, so no NASCAR in New York this year. And uh, another race in Daytona, right? Here where I live in Florida, yeah. Matt. They're not shy about uh, about doing anything Yeah, here, they're so. actually going to race Daytona twice in three weeks. One of them <laughs> is going to be the Daytona Road Course, which right. for anybody that follows like IMSA or the Rolex 24 of Daytona, that's what they use. Uh, yeah, the reasoning behind Watkins Glen real quick is that the governor wouldn't give a waiver to the quarantine rule that he has in place, which 
basically New York has a list of 19 different states in which people that travel to New York from those states have to quarantine or isolate for 14 days before they can, you know, go about their business. Clearly, if, you know, and North Carolina is one of those states. So teams are going to send their entire race team up to New York and then have to sit there for two weeks and not come in contact with anybody and then run the race. And that doesn't do anybody any good for getting races to happen. So um, there will be a race up in New Hampshire, though, right next door to uh, New York. Um, but, yeah, they're going to Daytona twice in August, so that'll be interesting. All right, Matt. Uh, Matt Sells, you can follow him on Twitter at the Sellsman and follow all his work on the NASCAR end and the baseball end, too, over at Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. All right, that'll do it for this first hour. We'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports today. we got plenty more to come including taking a look at a couple of win totals in Major League Baseball. We'll look at the Pirates and Padres here on the show. And then, uh, you know, some fantasy football talk as well. Uh, Gray Albright also joins us in the final segment. So uh, with that, we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid Radio. Lots of big announcements, including the latest one yesterday. Uh, That really puts us, I think, in a great position uh, to be on all of your TV sets for those of you who have Samsung's got our own app on there. It's fantastic. We just continue to grow here on Sports Grid. And uh, after this quick timeout, we'll be back with more. Joe Pizapia joins me. So thanks again to Matt for coming on the program. We'll be right back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Time for this day in fantasy sports for our weekend edition of the show, celebrating birthdays, celebrating things that happen in sports for the 11th of July and 12th of July here in 2020. Normally, Joe and I will kibitz a little bit at the beginning and talk about some fun things we're doing on the weekend, but we have a lot to cover and not a lot of time to do it, so we're going to dive right into it on this edition of the show. Thank you for those of you who are watching our program on SportsGrid.com on this weekend edition, Saturdays and Sundays. If you're watching on Saturday, uh, of course, keep in mind we're doing all of this uh, for both uh, days that we air the show on Saturday and Sunday. So here we go. This day in fantasy sports history on the 11th, 1968, Earl Weaver, one of the greatest uh, of all time that ever managed the uh, Orioles had the foresight to make him the manager, and uh, Hank Bauer was out at the time, also a really good manager in his time, by the way. Uh, as Orioles manager, Weaver went on to win a couple of World Series with the O's in the 60s and then uh, later on with them as well. Uh, 1987, speaking of the O's, Cal Ripken Sr., in the time that Weaver stepped away from the Orioles, became the first manager in baseball to ever manage his two sons. He managed Cal Jr. and Billy Ripken as well. 2010, Spain wins the World Cup over the Netherlands, one to nothing. And then in 2012, the Phoenix Suns send uh, Steve Nash over to the Los Angeles Lakers. Nash thinking that he had a better shot to win in L.A. than Phoenix. Didn't exactly work out that way as L.A. sort of, you know, tried to get a bunch of veterans toward the end of their career. Uh, Nash is a Hall of Famer and to me one of the most underrated players in the history of the NBA. But uh, certainly I would not say... I don't know if Brett would agree or not, but I would not say that didn't really work out the way that he would have wanted it to. You know? Well, you don't get the ring, you know. Of course, it's it's not the same, you know. But uh, a brilliant career for Steve Nash, no doubt about that. I'd love to circle back and talk about Earl Weaver for a second because mm-hmm. I love the characters in baseball. Everybody knows I'm on this show all the time now. I talk about I miss the characters in baseball. I want more of them, more colorful guys. And Earl Weaver was definitely one of those guys, one of the most fun guys to watch argue with an umpire, get thrown out, kick dirt, do things, turn his hat around, and a lot of people forget too he had left they had the big hole send off Earl Weaver and then they had to bring him back (laughs) brought him back do you remember that I can't remember exactly what year in the 80s I don't know if you remember the year or who you know was it was it I think I was gonna say it wasn't Cal Ripken senior come coming back for him was it 
It may have been. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was in between. Go out there. the belly, maybe. Hey, uh, yep, that's it. That's who it was. Well done, Craig Mish. Well done. Two claps for you on that one. Out the belly. Uh, but man, I, I Earl Weaver, an incredible guy that managed through many different decades, which is also difficult when you consider the kind of players you have in the '60s versus the kind of players you were dealing with in the '80s. I think that speaks to what kind of a baseball man he was. And that Ripken story, man, that's one that's just, that's amazing. Because, you know, these guys missed a lot of time with their dad, you know, and his, you know, their dad was a professional ball player and coach, and he was never around probably in a lot of the bulk of their years. And for them all to be together for that window of time when he was a coach there and then manager there, that's pretty cool. Like, that's that's one of those amazing father-son baseball moments there. I'm sure those guys really cherish that time with their dad, too. So uh, that, that makes me happy. I always look back and smile about the Ripkins. I always think they're one of those... Uh, those great baseball families. Big fan. All right. This day in fantasy sports birthdays for the 11th of July, 1953, Leon Spinks, former heavyweight boxer who I sat on a bus with on the way to the Boxing Hall of Fame at one time and couldn't understand a word the guy said. But he <laughs> I was seemed very nice. Say, did you understand a word he said? Did you already said I it? did not, but he was uh, very nice. Uh, 1966, Rod Strickland, a, another very underrated player in his time in the NBA, could dish the ball, could score the ball. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, some teams didn't love his attitude, but I thought he was a great player for a long time in the NBA. Uh, 1981, Andre Johnson, great wide receiver with the uh, Houston Texans, probably a future Hall of Famer as well. A name I haven't thought of in a while is Chris Cooley, the tight, former tight end mm. of the Washington Redskins, who had a nice career. And then 1990, Caroline uh, Wozniacki, who is arguably the number one or number two tennis player in the world, depending on whether or not Serena Williams is having a baby or not, pretty much. <laughs> um, there, the, there, there's we got. Any uh, any interest there? Yeah, on, uh... man. Andre Johnson. That I wish, I wish we had seen Andre Johnson play with a big time quarterback for like a good six years. Like I, I wish we had seen what he could do with a Drew Brees or a Peyton Manning or somebody like that. I mean, that would have been an incredible thing to watch because this dude was just a straight out baller, man. He was outstanding. He was such a good fantasy asset. And, and, you know, it's just a shame because he just never had a, a good run there of really high-end quarterback play. And a couple guys once in a while pop in there, have a good season. But we're talking, you know, like Matt Schaub is, is, is not Drew Brees. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can get a Hall of Fame quarterback with Andre Johnson. I think he would have had some years that it would have just blown everybody's mind. But, look, regardless, I think Andre Johnson's still a Hall of Famer. Would you probably agree so. with that? Okay. Yeah, probably so. You know, he um... – he, he's sort of a victim of being quiet, you know? He was he was yeah. never a big talker, even Except at Miami. Except when Cortland Finnegan got in his face and then he ripped his helmet That's off. That's true, that I was remember that. pretty right. amazing. At Miami, they had these all these talkers, and, and this guy was like the best on the team and never would say a word. Like, Reggie Wayne was on the other side and just you know, tearing it up, and, and he would never say a word. And Johnson was great. I remember him in the championship game. It was phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal. All right, 1954, uh, the MLBPA is founded on this day in fantasy sports history, July the 12th, 1979, Disco Demolition Night at awesome. Comiskey Park. Everyone remembers this one. We'll revisit that in a sec. 1990, Melito Perez, the brother of Pasquale Perez, throws a no-hitter for the White Sox against the Yankees. Both the Pasquale Perez and Melito Perez were pretty good in their time. Mm -hmm. uh, Melito Perez, if I'm not mistaken, went on to pitch for the Yankees as well. Uh, 1996, Kirby Puckett retires after a very uh, unfortunate ending to his career, gets hit in the uh, face with a baseball, tried to play through it, uh, and could not. And that's what we got for this day in fantasy sports history for the 12th of July. Yeah, the Kirby one's a sad one. I, I was a big fan of him as a kid. I just, uh, again, just, you don't see a lot of... You look at 80s baseball and 90s baseball, you see these body types that you really don't see much of in the game nowadays. Everybody kind of looks fit. Everyone kind of, not that Kirby wasn't fit because he was, but it's a different body type. And I feel like we've gotten away from the great baseball player in favor of the great athlete. And yes, training has changed and and the way approaches has changed a lot of things too. And every now and then you do have a player that kind of breaks that mold, but not as frequently. When you look at old 80s and 90s games, it's a very different game in terms of the kind of athlete physically you're seeing than what you see today. Kirby was one of those, man. He had an energy. He had a spark about him. It was something like you couldn't take your eyes off him in the field. You couldn't take your eyes off him when he was at the bat. He had a knack for the big hit and the big spot and the big moment in the field too. And again, great energy. One of the great twins you ever think of. And disco demolition night, Craig. I, I hate disco music. Always have, always will. Can't stand the Bee Gees. Can't stand any of that stuff. You can just blow it all up as far as I'm concerned. And I'm glad they tried to. I know it got out of hand, but, you know, when you put Disco Demolition Night with 10 Cent Beer Night, what else is going to happen, right? 
Yeah, no, and, and I remember all of those things happening, and I remember just, I mean, looking back on it now, I can't believe that they even allowed that to happen. Like, I mean, this day and age, <laughs> they would never let a person go on a baseball field, let alone, you know, have all that happen on the field. Well, also, what is it now? It's like, I mean, you can't blow up music. Would everyone have to bring their phone and put it in there to explode their own phone? You know, I mean, you bring your but mom's old Joe, is, that, is, that, is that baseball teams will not even allow you to step on their field anymore. Let alone no. blow something up. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Uh, this day in fantasy sports birthdays for the 12th of July. Rick Hendrick, of course, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, one of the tops in the history of NASCAR. No doubt about that. 1962, great boxer Julio Cesar Chavez was born. 1971, uh, awesome Olympiad Christy Yamaguchi. And then 1988, we've got LaShawn McCoy, who I would say has had a excellent career with the Philadelphia Eagles and then Buffalo Bills. And I'm not sure if he's got a career left in him right now, but he definitely had a great one, that's for sure. Yeah, you look at it, LaShawn McCoy, 11,000 career rushing yards and uh, 73 touchdowns. That, that's a pretty good career when you look at uh, running back. Obviously, played on some really great Eagles teams there. Uh, did go with the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs as well. So uh, he was a good investment for them. Uh, last year, played a little bit in Kansas City, as we all know. We got reunited with Andy Reid. But I look back on that career of LaShawn McCoy, and uh, yeah, you could say he was a product of the system a little bit, but I mean, there's not a lot of guys out there that have almost 4,000 receiving yards and over 11,000 rushing yards in their career. I mean, 15,000 all-purpose yards and almost 100 touchdowns. Man, that's a that's a career where you have to sit back, and I guess you kind of wonder, like... It's a possibility. Like, you start to go, is he a Hall of Famer? <laughs> you know, he doesn't have the longevity of a Frank Gore who's compiled and compiled, but LaShawn McCoy in those moments there, especially in the Eagles days, man... He was about as good as it got. He was right at the top of that scale in terms of all-purpose running backs at the time. So, I mean, I don't think of LaShawn McCoy as a Hall of Famer, but I start to look at the stats, sort of look at where he, you know, shows up there and some of these other comparable guys. I know the game is different, but for you, do you think of him as a Hall of Famer? You know, I really don't, but, uh, but I, you know, I, I can change my opinion in a few years, and I think that he's one of those guys that, when it's all said and done, I'll end up changing my opinion and probably thinking that he is. I mean, the numbers stack up against others, but... Got to put Fred Taylor in that Hall of Fame before LaShawn McCoy comes in. After that, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm curious. You know, that's a good comparison. I, I wish we had talked about, you know, that particular comparison ahead of time. Because I bet if we look back at the numbers statistically, they're probably pretty close. And I think Fred Taylor's a Hall of Famer, and so do you, obviously. And I think if we are putting those guys together, then, you know, LaShawn McCoy's got to be on that wagon as well, uh, get into Canton. I think that's probably where we're looking at there. Yeah, but. I mean, look, uh, you know, McGahee and Portis, I know they both played at Miami, but those guys also stacked up in terms of yards, and McCoy's well, ahead Portis of Well, Portis had a longer career than McGahee. That's a, like, Portis played for a while. Yeah, well, McGahee's last few years were... Yeah, but Portis had good runs there with Denver as well as Washington. So he, you know, I think that's what, that, that's what matters, too. When you're a running back and you have that that period with one team that's really good, and then you go to the other team and you're not good. But LaShawn McCoy was good with the Bills. So he had that other run in them. Clinton Portis had the same thing there, too. Fred Taylor, did he play his entire career with Jacksonville? I forget. He played with the Patriots at the end. He did. That's right. Wow. I totally I totally forgot he was a Patriot at the yeah. very end there. He didn't like play year, much. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> he didn't get that much time. I don't recall him like doing too much there. Yeah, what happened with Fred Taylor is, look, he's one of the greatest Jaguars of all time. He's one of the greatest Gators of all time. Uh, but Jones Drew had had taken over, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and Maurice was really good for that window for those two years too. And then again, they kind of moved on from him after that. He was he had a he had a two year window, and that's it's such a. You tough remember position. where MJD ended up at the end? Yeah, playing Sirius uh, XM Radio. No, what Madden with me? What? <laughs> where? No, I don't remember where he ended up at the end either. The Raiders. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mojo and the Raiders. I just remember doing an interview with him once, and he was clearly playing Madden while I was trying to talk to him. Yeah, which was yeah. fun. Yeah, so that's fine. It's fine. I'm not it that happens. big of a deal. So. All right, we uh, we got to take a brief time out here on Fantasy Sports today, but we'll come back next, and we'll have a lot more. Gray Albright is going to join us, and Gray has some opinions on what you should do with Mike Trout at this stage in fantasy. Do you take him first? Do you take him third? Do you not even take him in the first round of fantasy? Is that unthinkable? We'll ask those questions next here on the weekend edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. And Joe on Twitter is at JoePizapia17. We'll be right back. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. As we head toward the weekend, it's our weekly fireside chat with Gray Albright of Razball.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Razball. You can also go on Twitter and find some comment to most things on social media you can find him uh, commenting on. I don't know where he gets the time for that. Gray, uh, good uh, yeah, afternoon, morning for you. How are you? What's going on? Oh, what's going on? Let's see. Um, nothing? Nah, I don't know. I mean, the usual. I feel like we're going to get a baseball season, which is Feels good. good, right? Yeah, yeah I think, uh, you know, like I've been saying to people who are, like, pessimistic about baseball happening, I was like, ah, I think MLB is going to cram this down our throats, whether you think it's a good idea or not. I think we're getting a baseball season. I, I do. The only thing that would derail it is if, you know, I, at this point, I think it, w- it would require Trout to opt out and several players to follow. Like that, that's the only thing that that would have to happen. And then you even wonder if they would just continue it and play. That's why they have sixty guys, you know, in camp. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, they would they would certainly try and do that. How, how long are you um, where you are located now in Palm Springs? You permanently there now, or what's going on? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm here uh, probably for another month. Maybe it depends on when I want to head back to LA, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, we're wherever at this point, because it doesn't really matter because you can't go out in California at all. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in Palm Springs because uh, the house is a little nicer. (laughs) So we'll go back to uh, LA probably at some point, but yeah, I mean, my home base is LA. Uh, But yeah, as for the uh, MLB thing, I honestly, I don't even think Mike Trout opting out would have any effect. I uh, I don't want to get this too dark and gloomy, but I feel like it would have to be like a really bad situation with coronavirus for the season to not happen. Where yeah. No, like, no, I, 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 like I, I, I understand that. Something. Yeah, like if a team or something gets like, uh, you know, like it's a widespread situation, then probably. But yeah, I, I feel like Mike Trout is definitely not returning after um, the baby is born. So I think that, he's... Yeah, it feels like that's the case for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Mike Trout, he... I, uh, you know, we were talking last week about Mike Trout, and I was saying still at number three overall, but yeah, I backed off of that. <laughs> <laughs> A week later. I, I completely changed my tune on that after hearing some news reports about him just like, you know, uh, being so tentative about playing. So I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I wouldn't take him three anymore. <laughs> I'd probably drop him to like, I mean, actually, I did drop him. I dropped him to like the end of the first round for snake drafts. So Did you move up any, anything significant from last week to this week? I guess the best player in Jeopardy is Freddie Freeman. It seems like there's a significant Jeopardy with, with him playing at all. Uh, let me see. Nola is back, right? So, so yeah. like, I, I think that there's a chance that maybe he doesn't start right away, but he'll he'll be part of the team. Kingery is back, too. Um, uh, Gallo, I guess, is another one. Have you been adjusting this, like, every day? Yeah, no, I've been doing uh, some fantasy baseball ranking adjustments based on COVID. I, uh, I moved Freeman down to, I think, 45 overall. That seems about where I would take him now in a snake draft, which is – about twenty two dollars in a twelve team league, like I think still it's too high, man. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. eighteen to twenty two. Yeah, I mean, still like, I mean, I would still draft them because everyone's got, you know, everyone's got question marks, and uh, you know, maybe because he got COVID already and is already feeling better. This is all so unknown. Like I was, uh, I was saying, you know, recently to someone that, like, you know, for asymptomatic people. I haven't been moving in the rankings at all. And for symptomatic people, I have been moving, but that's also very like, I don't know. I mean, this is such an inexact science um, dealing actually with science, but it's like, you know, it's so unknown that I don't know, like uh, a guy like Joey Gallo, for instance, he tested positive, then negative, then positive, then negative. Like, so, okay, where does that take us? Uh, I guess, you know, I'm assuming he's okay, and it sounds like, 
you know, Kingery, like you mentioned, is okay. I think in reality, I, I'm actually kind of encouraged by all these guys who are testing positive, but returning fairly quickly. I mean, some of these guys are like, you know, like you hear someone like Eduardo Rodriguez test positive and has symptoms, but then like two days later, he's feeling better and he wants to get back with the team. So I think it's, I mean, not to be like Pollyanni, but I think it's a good thing in some ways. Yeah, that- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I would prefer to not take anyone with it because I just think that they could test positive even when they don't have symptoms in a week and a month, and remember they have to test negative twice to be back on a field. Right. So, you know, you know, certainly I think that's the, the dynamic as well. Uh, as far as like prospects are concerned, it, it seems to me that there's a chance, at least on some of the good teams that we're going to have an opportunity to maybe see some players that uh, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have before. I think most people thought Wander Franco had a shot to make his debut. It seems like a foregone conclusion at this point, if the Rays are in it, they're going to end up using him. Um, pitchers, it's a little tougher, I guess, because you would only see them for a handful of starts and a handful of innings. I don't know that they're targets, but have you like switched that up at all, or is it more or less same rankings for you? Yeah, no, a few guys like uh, Nate Pearson, for instance, the Blue Jays rookie pitcher who looks like amazing. I moved him up uh, a little bit. Uh, Mackenzie Gore on the Padres, who I like a lot, I moved him up a little bit. Uh, Guy, you're very familiar with Eduardo Cabrera. I haven't touched at all. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I do own him on my labor team, though, so I wouldn't mind having him get some innings. I uh, I haven't moved up a ton of rookies. Um, in general, I haven't really moved up guys. If anything, I've mo- like, you know, by the process of moving down guys, some guys obviously move up anyway. Yeah, right, but yeah. for the most part, I've kind of like with rankings, I've more or less taken the stance where I've moved up guys. I mean, I moved down guys who really feel like they're going to be issues due to the 60 game season. Like um, Freeman, we mentioned trout. I mentioned, but compilers in general, like an Adam Eaton guy, like someone who's going to get like four to five homers, four to five steals and a 280 average over 60 games is so boring to me that I don't want to have anything to do with a compiler. Not in this this season. You're right. No. So anyone who is going to be in the, uh, you know, who anyone who had value because it was a 162 game season, well, that's gone completely. So anyone who is like someone who could be hot for a month or two is looking a lot more enticing to me. I haven't necessarily moved guys you know, because of that, but I've sort of highlighted them a bit on Razball and talked about them. Like a guy like, uh, you know, someone like actually who you mentioned, Ray, Scott Kingery, he could be really interesting in 60 game season because he's a guy who can get super hot and he's got a little bit of pop. He's got some speed. Like you never know, like a guy like that could surprise where a guy like, uh, you know, someone like a, well, I mentioned Ian, but, you know, guys who are a little bit more like, you know, just not as interesting in 60 games. I've backed off of, but I haven't moved them necessarily in my rankings. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess from this week, um, you know, as far as the way I see it, like Lazardo's a worry for me now. He's not in camp. Yeah. Um, you know, not there. Was he going to pitch? Was he not going to pitch anyway? Uh, Oakland got a late start to working out because of their tests. Like that's the kind of guy that I have to bump down. Like there was, there was a few of those um, you know, that I would say this week. And, and I and I honestly think that, especially from some of these Zoom calls that I'm doing with the Marlins too, at least from Mattingly's perspective, it's kind of like now. Like if you're not there now, it's trouble because it's two weeks away. Like we're, yeah. we're it's like, just think of if you're not on a field for the last two weeks of the regular spring training back in March, and they always say like, oh my gosh, opening day, um, you know, like, is the guy going to be ready? And then we say, ah, oh, well, he'll only miss the first week. Now it's like, it's, it's like a month, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, clock is definitely ticking right now. I think, uh, you know, that it's interesting you brought up the, um, whatchamacallit, Lazardo, who uh, I was kind of already, you know, because there's going to be a lot with starters, uh, you know, like I mentioned Gore and I mentioned Pearson. I like them more now. But with starters in general, there's going to be a lot of piggybacking with, like, back end of the rotations. I agree. With long relievers. And, you know, a guy like Lazardo, 
I wasn't really that excited about him even before this. You know, he didn't show. He hasn't shown up at camp yet because of you know potentially uh, coronavirus. So I, I was already kind of off of like you know a lot of these uh, rookie pitchers in general because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, and 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 also in that sort of like um, you know realm, it's also a little bit concerning. Like these guys who are like. You know, set up, man. Like, um, you know, like a Will Smith has, uh, you know, he ha- he tested positive, so he was an issue because of that. But all those guys who are, you know, set up, man. It's like, what am I hoping for here? Like, three innings a week and like five Ks. Like, I can find better, probably. Hopefully, yeah, no, it's it's hard. The the one thing that that uh, uh, one of the baseball executives that I was speaking to um, a few days ago was I was saying, wow, there's no chance of any any young pitchers getting called up or pitching. You're not going to start the clock, right? And I got a different answer was, well, I mean, is it worth it for us to do it to get development for a pitcher that we would not be able to get otherwise? Like we can't have a lost season for the guy. And that's another aspect of it that I didn't really think of. Yeah, you're starting a clock on a kid. Or you may it may end up costing you a few bucks, but the reality is with no minor league season, mm-hmm. you know, like Detroit is a good example, like with Manning and and Mize and Scruble, like I mean they may have to call them up the last two weeks just to, you know, have them pitch to, to have some pitching against some opponent. They get no pitching against any opponent the whole year, and and that may be worth the investment now for fantasy i don't know i mean it's still only a week or two but it's it's worth thinking about you know yeah no completely yeah no i was feeling uh i I had similar thoughts i think that you know with like rookies i don't know if they're necessarily going to you know be fantasy relevant like you said but you really see them yeah yeah but you really kind of have to like at least uh, get let them get something otherwise they're missing a whole year of development Uh, yeah yeah. No, I think it has to be done. And that's why I think that the ramifications from the last two weeks of this baseball season, we're going to feel in 2021, because in order to hold back that service time, you won't see them at the beginning of the year, but you may see them at the end of this year, which stinks for us because fantasy will be a lot better next year for sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Gray, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I don't know if you have any fun stuff going on this weekend, but uh, we'll be really close next Friday to uh, to getting back to baseball again. So I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. So have a good one, okay? Definitely. You too. All right. Gray Albright of Rasball.com here with us on Fantasy Sports Today. What we'll do is we'll take a short time out here on the show and uh, send it over to our next programming here at Sports Grid. Thanks again to everybody who watched today. Thanks to everybody who listened as well. Thank you to... Uh, Matt Sells for coming on the show. Brett, Danny, and Ryan for putting our program together. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.